We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to jump in and uh, review, recap, dig into our January breakfast with Pastor Whit George. As always, I have father of four, Mr. Machismo, high school state championship coach. Um, what else? Mr. Almost 13 years in business as an entrepreneur, Mr. Matt Schrader. Congratulations. Well, well, that's quite an introduction. You've been uh, this new year, new year, new you. You've got this newfound, at least it starts off. And you're really nice to me. It starts off good. The man, the old you shows back up. Ain't it, ain't it just like life? And then next thing you know, I'm feeling great. And then, bam, right there. Man, smacked right in the face. Hey, let's celebrate the journey here, okay? It's uh, one step at a time. We'll get there. I mean, I'll, I'll be probably by the end of this year, I'll just be just glowing uh, over all of the great things that you bring to this podcast. Oh, and wow. The great insights that you provide. Captain Encouragement. Uh, I, I, wow. I do I do slip up every once in a while. Every once in a while. So it's, you know, yeah. every once in a while. Every once in a while. Yeah. No, I feel like I do a good job of pointing out when you have a really good point and, you know, get get excited for you when you uh, uh, really connect with the message. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, maybe have right some there. key takeaways. Yeah. Keep going. You're doing yeah, well. So, yeah, this is awesome. This is great. <laughs> good deal. So uh, with that, with that, let's jump, let's jump in because I, I think this is – I'm actually uh, pretty excited about this one because – Historically, uh, whenever Wit has spoke, it's not in this format. This is a little bit different format, um, and I, I was appreciated maybe the, the perspective. I, I think it, it was probably heavy on question one, uh, and then about two other questions. So three questions total that we really jumped into, but probably the meat and potatoes. I'd say for the most part. Well, now question is, one was with the Forty Niners win the Super Bowl. All right, so question and, two. So so there's four um, questions. Yeah, that was we didn't spend too much time on that. But Dallas has now lost. So for all us Cowboys fans, uh, Pastor Witt, I'm sure will gloat this weekend, and yeah, we'll be there. I I mean. See, and, and maybe that's just what kind of models it for me, like where it's like, all right, like when you really love a congregation, a group of people that you're speaking to, you got to, you got to, you know, give them a little jab here and there. Just make sure that they're awake. So maybe that's yeah, what it is. Maybe that's it. Did you just tell me you love my question me? Is, I think, I think we just have it recorded is, on the podcast. You professed your undying love for me. Like that is, I'm, it's a brother I'm not love. ready to return it's the favor, but man, thank you. Thank you so much. My. My weekend's complete, and it hasn't even started. I know. See, I told you I'm going to get better at this. I'm going to be good. good. I'm getting vulnerable. I feel like maybe I was a little vulnerable, and it got kind of thrown back a little quickly. So I'm going to be maybe a little more guarded now with the compliments. I'm going to have to toughen back up again. If you don't want to grow, you stay guarded. That's fine. Just just stay the way you are if you don't want to grow. If you don't want to change, you don't want to get better. If you don't want your family to get better this year, you just stay, stay guarded. Stay disconnected. You stay where you're at instead of leaning right, into the brotherhood. All right. all right. I see where you're going with this. I see where we're going. Well, let's let's jump into it because I, I I think that the uh, the interesting thing which you're alluding to is uh, you know originally the the question was like what are, like how do you set goals how do you how do you uh, create new habits and uh, I feel like Wit just shut them down and is like yeah I don't know do it's that. great it's like oh okay. <laughs> just went, went a different direction. So I, I think that um, 
I don't think there was much preparation for this. I think I think uh, Wit or not Wit, but Lee was kind of thinking to himself, you know, like what what are some what are some things that I kind of want to pull out of this conversation, and uh, regardless, it happened. I, I just I, I just don't think it necessarily went that way. So it was kind of it was kind of cool to hear Wit's perspective on it. He did say that he lives in the moment, doesn't think a lot about the past or the future. I think he does. I think he maybe doesn't put a lot of weight on it because you do have to in the in the position that he's in you do have to look to the future you do have to you know honor the past and, and some of that other stuff but what I don't think it is is I don't think he's constantly looking at it I don't think he's like weighing the decision so much and I think that really ties into more of like as long as I'm with God as long as long as I'm pursuing that in terms of like my my alignment to him then I don't have to worry as much about the past or I don't have to worry as much about the future because as long as I'm stride for stride with God, then I'm exactly where I need to be. And I think that's kind of the the point that, especially for me, like I, I enjoyed the, the freshness of the take where it's instead of me trying to set my goals of where I want to be, it's just saying, hey, God, where are you calling me? And if And if I approach this year from that posture, it's a completely different, it's a, it's a completely different set of quote unquote goals. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it makes sense. I've heard him talk at the first of the year a number of times in that manner. He does always strike people as uh, with those comments that he doesn't set goals and he doesn't. He's in the moment. He doesn't seem like an in the moment person to me. You know, him being very like he thinks a lot. He's a he seems to be a thinker. I don't know him that well, honestly, but uh, he seems to be a thinker. He seems to have everything thought through. So you tell me you're in the moment, and typically I picture somebody just kind of not thinking through things. But it's an interesting take for sure. And what it always what it struck struck me again as is the value God puts on rest and staying connected in Him in comparison to the value God puts on accomplishment and achievement. You know if. Those who labor, labor in vain unless the Lord builds the house. Then a lot of our busyness and scurriness to accomplish these incredible legacy goals and all that talk becomes just a bunch of white noise. You know, if you're in rest, I mean, that that's the hard comparisons. You take somebody who says, OK, I want to accomplish something in my life. I just got done listening to somebody. Oh, yeah. David Goggins. And, you know, a lot of his talk was accomplishing things and doing things and legacy. And and then you go talk to somebody like Pastor Witt, and he's like, eh, yeah, okay, yeah. I'll just do uh, – you know, here's – I don't know if you caught this, but his plan for success was um, get planted in a church and stay a while. There's his uh, mm-hmm. bullet point plan for success for all of us in there. And it's like, wow. But if I look back at my life, really, that's what I can attribute a lot of what God has done in my life for, is just being stuck in a local church and kind of dealing with all of that. But there's a rest there. That's where I started off. There's a rest in, and it's it's difficult to navigate this because it sounds like when I'm listening to myself, like I'm telling myself, ah, just don't do anything. Just kind of sit back, be lazy, and that's a rest. That's not really a rest. But there is a rest in exploring the idea that I don't have to accomplish these said goals this year to be valuable to my creator, to be valuable, valuable to my heavenly father. 
think that rest we could use a lot of because a lot of our goal setting is probably out of angst to be valuable, to make an impact, to live big, to maximize. He even said, don't, you, know, you don't necessarily want to live your life to maximize. You're looking very pensive. What's on your mind? I just, I'm getting hung up on the, the, how you're using the word rest here. I feel like the rest that you're implying is, is, is more of a like stationary uh, type thing where with the planted theme, but I, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting hung up on, uh, yeah, on the let, rest part because I don't think it's, yeah. I, I don't think it's rest per se. I, I do think it is responsibility. I think it's, and even planted in the church, I think that's part of it, but I think it's more planted in Christ, right? Into his word and, and in that relationship with him. And I think the church is a, is a part of that. But I, I think really what, what he was essentially saying is get out there put yourself in a position where you are going to be uncomfortable put yourself in a position where you're taking on more authority you're stepping out into certain things obviously pursuing christ and saying god what are you what are you leading me to in that i do think there's a planting in that in terms of like a stability in your community he did talk a little bit about um which which i thought was an interesting way to look at it Whereas, like, if you live in a tiny home and travel the world, you're not going to get a lot of respect, which is essentially what a lot of men desire. But it's this, it's it's this delayed responsibility mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, where he said a little bit further along, one of the first things that God calls us to do is leave our mother and father and cleave to Him, uh, and or and leave your mother and father. And what was the other one? It was. Uh, it's like going to all the world. So it's, it's literally like this stepping out type thing as opposed and, and taking on the responsibility of being independent from something where you're being supported. Like you're, you're responsible for yourself as opposed to some, like a child who has parents who are responsible for him. And that delayed responsibility is where he tied in the, the hyper individualistic society that we're living in, which some of that I think does kind of tie into that individualism. And so it was kind of interesting how it all, all weaved in and out. But I think the responsibility part ultimately tied to where he's basically saying, put yourself in a position like ask, ask God, what are you calling me to? And let's let's jump outside of our comfort zone. Let's let's jump outside of the things, because that's where I'm really going to grow. That's like uh, he used the example even of whenever he took over the church. He wasn't necessarily ready for that or he doesn't feel that he was ready for that. But through that, his leadership grew his relationship with God grew his, I think a lot of the things that were kind of set in motion were strengthened. Um, and here's, I, I think we've talked about, or at least I've talked about this before in, in like a, like a job situation. Sometimes when you promote somebody, you promote them based on the potential that they have, yeah. but not the experience that they have. So you, you're looking at maybe their history. Like I'm in the process right now of hiring a, an employee for uh, my team. And I'm looking at skills that they've had or career experience that they've had in the past that translates over to what we're doing here. And so if I can find a a person that's done exactly what I'm looking for them to do, like that would be ideal, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to find somebody like that because, you know, it's a very unique position. But what I can do is I can look at what have their, what's their similar experience been? What are some of the things that they've done in the past where they saw a need and what was their response? How did they, how did they fill that response? And it could be a, like just the willingness to step out there, the willingness to go and try something new and potentially fail or potentially lead. But that experience uh, in between those two data points, those two dates of you know, when they're in this position to where they are now, that's what I'm looking at. Like what, what does that person do in those roles? And can I 
expect them to do the same thing in a role that I would be hiring them for because I know that they're going to have to learn the job. They're going to have to learn the customers. They're going to have to learn the business. They're going to have to learn all those different things. And is that going to be something that they're going to thrive in or is it something they're going to shrink back and not be able to do? I would say based on what Witt's saying, if you're in alignment with God and if, if you're willing to follow his lead to where he's calling you, that's part of that fulfillment. That's part of that flourishing that he's created for you because you're stepping into the will that he has for you. And so I think that's where it kind of ties in. So I think that's why I was maybe getting a little perplexed by your rest oh, uh, analogies. Yeah, I think everything you said is spot on. My analogy of rest wouldn't be as an activity as much as it would be expectant on God to accomplish what he's going to do and not so focused. So like rest assured in his, uh, in his plan. Well, let me go this way with it. So think of the Sabbath. I take a Sabbath. Not sure if you're biblically sound in your lifestyle or not, but you know, it's going to come Saturday, Saturday evening. I'm, and I do a true Jewish Sabbath. I just realized as I was talking, so I'm probably holier in that sense, uh, because it's how Jesus did it. So, um, so about Saturday evening, All right. All right. it just happens to fit my life and my like sports. A, a level level ten schedule. warlock Christian is that what we're going Something. to here? We're just we're just picking out the, the different levels. Yeah, just uh, I'm, I'm probably more spiritual <laughs> than you are. That's that, I mean, uh, but it's probably not a surprise. Hey, my listen, it's listen, fine. my path is not oh, your path. That, my relationship and your relationship are they're just two different that's things. What people like you say it's it's apples yeah, and oranges, Matt. People like you say it's it's apples and oranges. oranges. Sorry. Anyway, the Sabbath <laughs> idea. Pharisee is that we take a day of rest and we actually trust God with that day. You know, if you, we could work on that day. A lot of people do work on that day, seven days a week. I mean, you can, but taking a day off and not doing anything, I guess maybe I should have talked about your Sabbath perspective first. Maybe that was some pregame talk we should have done, but that was, that was a little bit of a, yeah, you assume yeah, I did, for sure. Did. So when I stop Saturday evening, rest assured, I have plenty still to do. There's typically still work that needs to be booked for the next week or the following week or the following month, whatever it may be. And I could probably get on the horn, get moving, get some guys working and probably do some stuff. But I trust God with that next 24 hours that he has my future in his hands. And I just stop. And that's, I mean, that's nothing special. I tried to make it special earlier, but it's not. It's just what got, what is the definition or explanation of the Sabbath. So when you're not setting goals and you're not writing things down based on you, like he says this phrase in the, in the message where he says that sometimes when we're setting goals, we're doing things to accomplish our vision of the future and we haven't even asked God what his vision of the future would be for us so Mm -hmm. when you say you know what I'm gonna plant myself in a local church I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna be obedient this year it doesn't mean I'm not gonna do anything or maybe I maybe I am gonna write some things down that I would like to accomplish but leading with that says I'm gonna write those down under the submission of what the picture God is showing me for this year I'm going to write these things down, these goals, under the submission that I'm walking God's path. And if these goals don't fall in line with what God has for me, that I'm not going to make them more important than what God has for me. 
It's kind of an interesting navigation, honestly. Uh, I'm a goal setter type guy, but I don't set goals like a lot of the instructions that I was given when I was young. Not anymore. I kind of write down the picture I see in my soul, my head of what I don't like saying my head because then the picture in my head is often, often different than the picture God's showing me of what he wants from me this year. And oftentimes when I write, it's the picture he placed in your head. I said, or it's the picture he placed. Well, So this is where I thought pastor Witt did a good job of pointing out his path. I have a tough time not believing this is the right way for everybody, but that's just me. I'm kind of, um, kind of my personality. If it's the right way for me, it must be the right way for you. Right? No, no. Uh, Pastor Witt's done a great job of buffeting me as a pastor on that over the years. Uh, my wife does a, also another great job, but the, <laughs> you know, the pick the different sections of your life and set out some big goals, big hairy goals, that thing. I'm just not that guy anymore. I used to be. I would love to be. My brain is that way. I like to set big. But most of the time when I write down what I feel like God is going to lead me in and kind of direct me in this year, it's pretty underwhelming. Like, it's just not very impressive. And that used to bother me. But what I've found, and this is what I think Pastor Witt was trying to communicate, and probably is the real most important of everything I'm spewing out right now, is that I can be confident that what I've written down is where God is leading me. So if it's not very impressive to somebody else, there's a rest there that says, well, I mean, it's where God has me. And I'm pleasing him if I fulfill this this year. If that's all I do, I'm confident I've done what God has asked me to do. If that's not very impressive to the rest of society, that bothers my ego a little bit. That bothers my, that part of me that wants to be impressive or that wants to be just a step ahead of the next guy or a little bit wealthier or a little bit bigger house or my yard look a little bit better like that part of it bothers me but when I get down to my the spirit side of it and I'm like standing before God proverbially in my time in the morning or time in the evening I can say man I can try this is what God had me do so you know being in this small group for four months that was my goal this quarter and I accomplished it spiritually. And if I told somebody else, Hey, my goal was to attend a small group for, you know, whatever the semester length is 11 weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just, that doesn't strike high. That's not going to sell books or get me followers on Instagram or any of that. But the rest comes from, so the bothersome comes from, ah, I'm not very impressive. But the rest comes from, but it's what God told me to do. And it, man, it benefited me well. My family's better for it. And I'm not strung out trying to accomplish some of this big, something big I came up with in my head. Yeah, I get it. God gives me the desires of my heart. But I'm kind of leaning into what's in my gut feeling rather than mentally what I can ascend to to impress people. So if I read you all my goals for 24, you probably would just kind of like shrug your shoulders and be like, sounds like you could do all that pretty easily. Like, eh, it does, but it never works out that way. So that's what I mean by rest. There's just a sense of like, man, I'm doing what God's called me to do. And if it doesn't impress you, and I don't mean you, you proverbially, 
maybe you proverbially are probably so. If I have to be open and honest, like if I had to tell you what my goals were, I'd be like, ah, I want to pick out something to make Evan go, oh, dang, this dude's for real. Like, yeah, man, he's going to make this amount of money or he's going to he's going to accomplish this. Like, I'll, yeah, you're darn right. I would in my mind. I'd be like, man, I got to invent some things quick, you know. But honestly, if I read it to you, it probably wouldn't be that impressive. But when I get to the end of the year, it's always done. And it's always what God had me to do. And it's always, you know, it's what the Bible says. He gives you above all you could ask or think. It's always better than what I envisioned it to be. And every once in a while, it's impressive. And that's kind of fun. I think I think what we're learning from this is that your your desire to impress me is very strong <laughs> and you have to you have to fight that. So But uh, listen, how successful have I been at not impressing you? Think about that. My desire has been to impress you. Uh, and yet I am so strong spiritually that I have managed to not impress you every day of my existence. Think about that. Man, Jesus is alive and well, <laughs> risen once again this year. So if I tell you that you've impressed me multiple times this year, then then what? Does that completely disrupt the entire? It does. Entire I got to go to Jesus because he. I wrote down, "Do not impress Evan this year." It is like, oh, I'm gonna be like, Lord, oh. what's going on? I'm doing okay. this terribly. All right. Well, I do. I so I, I'm still hung up on this rest word, and I think I figured out okay. why. We talked about this in the in the last recap. You're using the word rest. Uh-huh. For a, tr- a like a trusting in yes, hundred percent. But I, th- I think, but I think that if you take it maybe one step further, you're having faith in your relationship with God. Do you see how like the, where faith and rest can maybe be interchangeable 100%. in that? Listen, that, every time I stop that, on that a Saturday, where it's like hundred percent. Yeah, every time I stop, yeah, take a day off. So you're yeah. being you're you're having faith. You're it's that believe that God is going to guide you. Believe that He has. Like when you look at the character of God and you look at how he operates, you have faith that he's going to do what he says he's going to do because he is faithful. He, he does those things. But for me, it feels like this is the second time that you've used like all of these words except for faith to kind of describe this belief or this trust in God. So this is the second time it comes up. And you've told me in the past that if, if like a theme <laughs> starts to like continue yeah. on into multiple podcasts, that maybe maybe there's something there. So I I would challenge you. That as you're as you're kind of going through this year and trying to not impress me, to to maybe think about like is is my faith really in God or is my faith in in my abilities to do maybe mediocre things or is my faith based on what I know God says that I am what He created me to be and the the desire that He has for me because I think that God has big things in store for you He He has big plans for you and He also gives you the desires of your heart. I think that we're maybe splitting hairs a little bit on some of this stuff, but I think the important thing to to recognize is God has a structure in place. I mean, Whit said something to the effect of it's like we're fools to think that we can tinker with how God set That's things good. up. So so God has kind of put this this piece in front of us and said, I want you to step out in faith. I want you to step out in faith, not because you have a a trust based on a feeling. It's because you know I'm faithful, because you've seen me faithful in these things, because you know my character, because you know my voice. So when I call you, you you know that this is a step that you need to take because I'm calling you to do it. We're changing our posture to saying, God, what where are you leading me? So we're actually listening for that direction as opposed to us setting the direction and looking back at God and saying, is it over here? Is it over here? 
is it over here? And we're just, we're just kind of, you know, doing a 360 degree scan and looking around. I think it, what Witt's essentially saying is take a minute, step back and just ask God, where do you lead me? And I think probably the most difficult part of all that is being quiet and allowing him to speak as opposed to we speak and, and, and wanting him to respond. Man, when we change that conversation there, I think what happens is, is we get a lot more intentional with our direction. Uh, our, our, we have clarity of vision, clarity of purpose, and we're able to be that much more effective. Now, on the other side, he's going to shine a light on maybe a lot of our selfish desires, and uh, that's where we're going to fight him. That's where we're going to wrestle with God a little bit and be like, well... You called me to love all people. You called me to uh, invest in these people. You called me to step out into leadership, and I don't like the people that I'm leading. Okay, Jonah. I don't. I don't like their attitudes. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to do any of this stuff. Like I'm going the opposite direction, and and he's like, all right, like okay, well, you know, when you get to the end of the year and you realize that you didn't accomplish any things that you wanted to accomplish, and I actually had these bigger things that that you could have done, but instead you didn't. You chose not to step up and do this thing. Maybe it's. Uh, you know, a quiet time. Maybe it's going to a small group. Maybe it's volunteering. Maybe it's engaging in conversations with a brotherhood. Like, what what are those things? Well, if you pull back and say, "All right, God, like, where are you leading? What what do you have for me?" And you're sitting back there and going, "Okay, well, you know, who is God? What is his character? What 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 are the things that he wants? What what is he calling me to? Like, what are the the voices that I've surrounded myself? With? Like, what you know, how is he speaking through that? And then you got to listen. And listening is probably the most difficult part. But I think for you, my admonishment to you is to really pursue what that faith means because you're, you're talking all around it, but it's, it's right there. It's like, hey, faith, that's what it is. You just got to have faith yeah. in me. Yeah, I mean, 100%, I think. I mean, everything you said, absolutely. I want to make sure that the picture I paint, people are putting the right picture to it. And I would be, my, my experience in hearing the word faith, and if somebody's listening out there that relates to this, maybe this helps, maybe not, but faith always has to be big when I grew up. Now, the mm -hmm. Bible didn't say that. But the way it's presented is, yeah, like a leap of faith. Like it's this, it's this yeah. giant right. step. Yeah. Right? So, but when you say rest... The picture people get painted is stopping. I mean, it was the first picture you got painted. I think, yeah, and I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's why I got And a lot of, it. I mean, uh, but, and I would say this, in your study, a lot of God is, hey, stop. Stop. I'll do this. I got this. You need to stop. But we don't like to stop. Stopping requires us humbling ourselves. Because if I'm moving around, scurrying, accomplishing, I've still able to believe this lie, this narrative that I'm doing these things. And that's a tough one. We can go for years with me on that one because there's such this balance between is Moses parting the Red Sea? Is God parting the Red Sea? The answer is yes. God is parting the Red Moses, yes. The answer is yes, 100% yes. Because God has this hang-up. He's committed to doing things through men that cannot be done elsewhere. Or in other ways. So when I say rest, that's really how God talks to me. There's not a lack of effort on my part. That's 100% sure. Like you, you walk in my shoes. You're not going to find 
effort in or lack of effort. You're going to find, uh, may, oh, definitely back in the day, too much effort, too much driving, too much pushing, too much push, push, accomplish, accomplish. And God, I mean, faith, yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely hearing what you have to say. I mean, rest is a big theme. And faith is a big theme, incidentally, going into this year. For, for me in both ways. So, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what God does. I mean, I'm, I've got some very hard yeah. conversations that we're in the middle of, me and God the Father. And his responses are kind of quiet right now. I feel like, I mean, if I be, be honest, you're going to laugh at this. I feel like I've stumped him. What do you think about that? Like, if I'm being vulnerable, you want to, I talk to Jesus a lot. Like, I talk to God a lot. And the last couple weeks of discussions, I've not gotten a response back yet. And mm-hmm. so I got this little thought in my head, like, maybe I stumped them. Maybe I, for the first ever time in history, has stumped the Almighty. And I know I haven't, but that is my emotional posture right now. I'm like, hey, what's your answers? Because I'm asking some hard, hard questions. I was obedient, and you didn't respond in the way that even you seem to explain your response. Not you, but God. So, yeah. now I'm humble. There's another side of me that says, hey, this is how this conversation goes a lot. God always has, he just got to turn on the light. That's what I'm waiting for, is that light to come on. And see, I was talking to a mentor the other day, and he said, it's like you're staring at one of those magic eye pictures. You remember those? Got popular in the 90s? Yeah, and, the stereogram. And you, like, stare at them. I was never very good at them. I actually went back to him after this guy. I was talking to him. He's a pastor. And he was like, hey, you know, maybe in the spiritual realm or the, the metaphysical realm, you're staring at this magic eye picture that has a picture, a 3d picture going to come about, but you're just staring at all these little colors and blocks. And you remember those pictures, right? So I go find them again, still can't do them very well. It, I don't get, unless I get some cheaters, which you can get on the internet. Now I, it's hard for me to see that picture, but man, that's a good, it's a good picture of where I'm at right now. I'm asking some hard questions. And I'm expecting some great answers. Like, God's going to answer. He does. This is what he does. But it's usually by turning the light on and helping me see. And that's I'm excited. What's exciting about this is put this thing on record. Like, we're putting this on record. In about three or four months, it's highly likely we're going to be having a conversation. And I am going to finish this story that I'm starting right now. Because the conversation will have been responded to. I mean, listen, God's going to respond. That's what he does. I mean, if, if anything we can learn from Job is that God's going to answer you, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and the end of his answer is always good. The start of his answer is sometimes not so good. But, yeah, faith, rest. I just want, pe- I want people to hear. Like, if you're listening, there's a few people listening. We, uh, we've heard. I mean, the, you keep telling us about these downloads. Unless you're making this up, there's a few people listening. If you're listening, then faith for me right now and for the last several years has looked like rest and not like action it's looked like standing in the same place and not like running around you know joshua was always fun to read because they're always killing things but when job sits down i don't know why i'm going to job i don't have that kind of life that's for sure my Everything's great. Like my kids are awesome. My wife's awesome. Like definitely not what Job is experiencing. But Job had to kind of sit down, do the sackcloth thing. If you're not, you can't see me. I'm tapping my head. You know, he throws ashes on the old head. 
rips his clothes, which is always an interesting thing in the Old Testament. But sometimes faith is sitting there going, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to stay faithful with what I'm doing. I'm, I'm being obedient. So, so here's, so what if God is not parting the Red Sea for you? And you're holding out the staff. See, see me holding out the staff. That's where yeah. we're not. That's the, th- those are the stories people don't tell on stage. Yeah, but they do st- tell the story of Joseph. Like the, the story of Joseph where, you know, how long was he in the prison? Mm-hmm. How long was he? Yeah. How long was he in the pit? How long was, how long was it like all those different things that happened? And if you look at the timeline, of that, it, it's it's not. He might have thought that he stumped God a couple times because he's like, "Hey, God, yeah. I'm here in prison. You're showing favor to me in this moment, but I'm still in prison. Like I'm literally behind bars. This is not great. This is this is not what I think you have in terms of human flourishing for me. So he he probably um, probably felt a little bit the way that you feel, where yeah, it's like I, I so. know that you called me to do this. I. I was faithful. I mean, what was it? The Baker, the whole, the whole Baker story. Like that was like two years in between that the Baker forgot about him instead of helping him interpret that dream and then go into that, that whole other thing in that regard. I think that obviously you look at the Red Sea moment, like big cinematic moments of, you know, God being faithful right, right then and there. But I think probably Joseph's story is maybe a little bit more in line with maybe some of the things that you're going through right now. We look at the Bible and we just try, we want to interpret it however way we want based on our circumstances. I would go back to your optical illusion uh, image and, and maybe position it this way. Cause I've never really seen the images. Like I understand in theory how it, how it works, but I got a stigmatism. So it's, it's very difficult for me to do that. But I will say this, I, I think there's a little bit of an analogy to that in the Bible because there'll be times that I'll read the Bible and I'll take it at face value of exactly what it is. It's like, there was a giant, and David threw a rock in between his eyes and he killed him, right? But as you kind of dissect more and more of that story, or as you have more life experience to look through that story with, you're looking at, I think we talked about in the last po- podcast, like he's a teenage guy who all of his peers and his, his king, like his, everybody around him is like, nope, don't, don't even do that. We don't have the courage for that. And yet Joseph had a a courage or a faith so strong that he stepped outside of culture. He stepped outside of what everybody was telling him to do. And he, and he walked into that. I didn't see that the first time mm. that I read that story. Yeah. I, I, I saw he was, he just knew God's covenant and was like, yeah, I'm going to go do that. But imagine like a similar situation, like that's for whatever reason, it's, you know, me and the president of the United States and the president is got this adversary and he's supposed to be the one going after it. And uh, he chooses not like the entire United States military is like, yeah, probably not. We don't want to poke the bear on this one. And I'm just like, I know who my God is. I know who God said he is. I know like the covenant that he has with our, our, our land and our country and X, Y, Z. I'm going to go take care of it. And I just go and, you know, throw a rock and you know take out Osama bin Laden. Like it's just this whole kind of uh, countercultural faith that that he had in that moment but it just opens up through the different times that i look at that story so sometimes it's shaped by my experiences in life Witt talked about the role of being a father and and how that prepared him and actually grew him in his his walk with god but just in his leadership and, and everything else it's stepping out in into those areas but you you have to be 
in that position where you're willing to step out. But sometimes there's circumstances that happen to you and that God's going to look and see how you respond. Now, ultimately, your response is maturity, uh, whether it's through success or failure. But he's looking for us to mature. He's looking for us to model him in those situations. And through that, we'll grow. And through that, our faith will grow so that when we're in larger circumstances and, and, and larger situations, like we can trust in the goodness of God, the continuance of God. Pastor George talks about that a lot, continuance. Like he didn't bring us here, leave us here. He brought us to this place to elevate us and to keep us growing. And I think, I think for you, maybe there's huge breakthrough on the other side of this because you're, you're in that place where you're, you, you've stepped out and you said, hey, God, you know, here's, here's the answers that I'm looking for. I don't think you brought me here to leave me here. I think that you have a plan. I know that you have a plan because you know, you've had a plan all the way up until this point. And so now I'm at a, a place where I need to sit back and, and wait and rest in you. And maybe what he's saying is just wait, like you're not released from this yet. I mean, Whit did talk, and I did want to kind of dive in this a little bit because he talked about like he was, uh, Whit talked about how he's never released from le like leaving the church. Cause like he wanted to like working for his dad was difficult. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm putting words in his mind, uh, in his mouth, but yeah, it was a, it was difficult, which, you know, I, I don't think I could work with family. I think we've established that before. So, you know, having a situation with like that, which you have this dad who's authentically walking and leading a church and uh, you're coming in with all these, you know, new ideas. You think you can do it a little bit better. And, and instead you're just clashing a lot. Uh, but he was never released from that. And so, you know, part of that could be, you know, in your situation that you're not released from whatever it is yet. And you just got to rest in your terms, have faith that God is going to get you through until the answer or the timing is right. And when that does happen, you can look back and say, you know what, now looking back at this situation, God had a plan. God, God just caused a delay. He, it wasn't a no, but it was a wait. And I was able to grow in my faith in a wait just as much as I was able to grow in my faith in a charge forward. See, I think a hundred percent of that is correct. And you brought out that word wait. So that's a good way to kind of word picture the ideas that I'm expressing here. The word wait oftentimes in the Bible is not used how we use the word wait. And I see a similar comparison in this back and forth between of, about rest. So the word wait in the Bible is often used as kind of a, there's an, the word expectant comes out first, which that makes sense in our understanding of mm -hmm. weight. But the second idea, and it's the underlying idea behind the word weight biblically, is to bind and to collect. So that those are very active words. It's a twisting. I was reading about this actually a couple of weeks ago. It's like if you take three ropes or a couple of ropes or whatever, you know, you twist them. You know, you've probably seen this. You twist again twist again, you twist again, twist again. They're, they're, they're binding themselves tighter and tighter and tighter. And I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you twist enough, they'll start to fold on each other. And you twist enough and it starts to kind of bundle up and it's pulling tight of whatever it is it is connected to. Well, the Jewish thought there is that is potential, a potential explosion ready to happen. Not explosion in the sense we've seen it like a bomb, but like a releasing. A lot of similar words hopping in here. So, and they twist and a twist and a twist. So there's no, it's, it's very active, actually. There's no non-movement. We, we use waiting like waiting in a doctor's office. 
go sit down and you're just there and you're there until they call your name. And that's probably how most people view waiting on the Lord right now when they're just reading the Bible for face value and not looking into the ideas behind it. They're thinking, okay, I'm just kind of sitting here. And that, that seems to be what you're taking the idea of rest. Like I'm just sitting here waiting for God to call my name. That's not what I'm doing by no means. It's more of that twisting, that binding, that collecting, that you're just constantly being obedient and there's an expectancy that just kind of develops and it develops. And if I had to go deeper into that, if my analogy is my analogy about the rope twisting and folding up on each other, is that translating here or is that just like, uh, I mean, I, I guess it, it sounds to me like you're, what you're talking about is potential energy at that point. Like it's a stored energy. So it's not that there's a lack of movement. The movement is being transferred into essentially something that will, will accelerate like a catalyst towards a, a destination. So it's, well, sometimes we'll say tension. Sometimes you'll talk about like when you pull back on a rubber band, yeah. there's that similar tension idea. There. But then when you, when you release it, that, that's where it starts to really explode. So, yeah, in that regard, I think that, that makes a little bit more sense. So, so then, like, in that activity of rest, faith, to go back to the earlier, faith without works is dead. James, I think it was, wrote, you know, you show, I'll, I show you my faith by my works. Not speaking to salvation, but speaking to the idea that if, if there is a belief that God is going to do something, then there's a corresponding action that says, here's what it would look like for me to act if God really was going to come through. If God was faithful and, and you're using faith to bank on that, then these are the actions that will be happening. So the way Witt described his walk with goals or accomplishments, success, that is where it, crosses over with how God does it in my world. There's a rest, a sense of like, this is what God's called me to do. This is what I'm going to do. And if it's not what I in my head can invent, because I could invent a bigger step, a bigger, more impressive idea, I could do, you know, my goal could be bigger. You know, it takes me back to the 90s because I spent most of my Christian youth in services where people would say, if you're God, if you're goal is not so big or you, what do they say you, if your dream is not so big that only god can do it they're always holding the bible up in the air in my mind i could tell you who they were but everybody on this podcast would probably know who they were so i'm not going to say them um if your dream is not so big that only god could do it it's not big enough well for all the type a high achievers out there, you're like, fine, I'll just ratchet this thing up. I'll dream bigger than you could. If God is going to give me all I could ask or think, then I'm going to think very, very big because apparently God has to go above that. Eh, yes and no. God has the ultimate authority in that. So if God didn't say to do it, it doesn't, you don't get to outthink that just because you can dream something bigger. I mean, at age 21, I was going to win five national championships as a football coach. <laughs> Now I'm a window cleaner. Here we go. And I would take option B over option A an entrepreneur. every day of the week. So the resting and the waiting, if you biblically wait, wait on the Lord, that is a very active wait. It is a, it's a, there's a lot going on in that wait. And it's a lot of being obedient with things that don't seem to be have a response yet. But 
your trust in God, a.k.a. your faith is in he is faithful and that he will there respond. I'll tell you what the waiting does. For the, and maybe it's just me who'll be listening to this podcast later. I don't know. But <laughs> the waiting does this. And you see it all throughout the Bible. God dispels your pictures. And he gives you time to go, maybe there's a better option out there. Maybe, in fact, that scripture you quoted, he gives you the desires of your heart. Uh, that, that scripture is, it's in Psalms. But the idea behind that is pliable. Those who are pliable, he gives you the desires of your heart. Those who are flexible and can kind of move with God's instruction. That's the sense Pastor Witt's painting that I see very biblical in my life and very biblical across the board is there's this flexibility of what God's doing. So you set out a big goal. That's awesome. Do it. I mean, accomplish it. But if that plan bumps up against what God has for you, you better be ready to submit it because it will destroy you. Because once you're outside of that walking with him, you're easy pickings. You may, you may accomplish yeah. that big goal, and you may lose your family. And in the end, you, will have traded, you would have traded keeping your family for not accomplishing that big goal. And, of course, and that, the moral yeah, to your story. That goes right back into the – yeah. Oh, my well, – no, no, not your story. But what often happens that you seem to bring out is God will end up giving you that goal because you're submissive to what he wanted you to do. And I would say sometimes that's yeah. the case. Sometimes no. But I think that ties back to the what Whit was talking about. We live in a hyper individualistic yeah, society yeah. right now. Like that's that's our culture. So it's like what I think what you're describing is this high this 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 elevation of me over everything else, including God. And so when that happens, when it's so focused on like my goals and the things that I want to do and all that other stuff. That's, that's where we start to pivot away from God. Where are you leading me to God? Come on, get in line. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do this. This is really important. And I'm, I'm pretty sure God doesn't care whether or not you climb Everest or not. Like I, I literally don't think that he's like, Oh man, like good for you. Like I, I put the highest point on the earth so you could climb it. No, it, it doesn't have anything about that. He's like, did I have your heart during that? That's because that's insane. what I care about. And did you bring other people to me? That's what I care about in doing that. And I think that's maybe, you know, some of the difference there. I think one of the things to kind of tie some of that back a little bit to what Witt was talking about was uh, he, he said, look into a life beyond what you do. Like, what does that mean? Like, like he kind of gave two main points to it, which was one, Psalm 1, where he said, work like hell to eliminate sin, eliminate obvious sin. So that, that's introspection, reflection, taking a look at like that really that self-discipline, like saying no. So. Like, I think a lot of times when we're looking at sin, sin is the absence of self-discipline. It's more of a just yes to everything mentality, and then it, it gets out of whack. So some of it is that self-discipline. It's like, what are the things I need to stop doing? What are the things that I need to start doing? And start living a life that's separate from just a everything that I want kind of life. Like, we think about that when we're... We're, we're trying to eat better. We're saying no to certain foods. It's not that we can't eat those foods, but we know that if we continue to eat those foods unrestrained, that that's going to give negative effects. So what God's saying is, or what Whit was saying is, you know, let's, let's eliminate a lot of those different things and really hone in on to like, what is sin 
And how do I, how do I apply my self-discipline because I'm, I'm working for something bigger. I'm working for something more important. And then the other side is that he says delight in the law of the Lord, which is to embrace the life that he describes, embrace those new patterns. So we're changing our habits at that point. So when you have those two things where it's like you're taking an inventory, and maybe that's really what the message for the beginning of the year is. Take inventory of your life. Take inventory of maybe some of the selfish desires that you have, maybe some of the habits that you've created that are not in line with the pursuit of Christ and and that that open-handed posture of, God, where are you leading me? What, What would you have me do? Instead of, God, I want to accomplish this. I want to do that. Uh, this is my goal. These are the things that I have that I want to do. If that's some of the narrative, then you're probably not going to accomplish those goals because guess what? Your other selfish desires were getting in the way, which for me is laziness. It's like, yeah, like I would like to lose 40 pounds, but I am lazy sometimes and I really enjoy the taste of cookies and I don't like saying no to those. So, you know, there's maybe that inventory that we need to take at the beginning of the year and say, like, how important is it to me to lose that weight? How important is it to me to be really in, in alignment with God and his mission as opposed to my own selfish mission? And if I can get to the point where I say God's mission is more important than my mission, then I go do that inventory and say, what do I need to cut out and what new habits do I need to establish? And if I do that, that's when he starts talking about success being the byproduct mm-hmm. of being planted, being planted in God's, what God has for us operating with what the way that he intended it because when you look at and this is like i I feel like this is just maybe just the the loudest voices in culture right now but there's so many questions in terms of intended use versus preference use right so we talk about uh relationships we talk about um like marriage is a great thing it's like is, is should marriage be between like a man and a woman like at what age and what what gender and what like like what how many wives like there's just it's like all these different preferences but god said this is what marriage was intended for and and he outlines it in the bible and he he outlines the importance of it if we are pursuant of what god has intended for us and we operate in in that uh self-discipline and and guidelines of how he intended it it flourishes it does well we operate outside of that we get into like the these you know far pendulum swings where it's all sides of what is i guess perceived possible and then there's somebody that's going to brace on and say, no, this is what it should be. This is, I should be able to choose this. I should be able to do that. We go again, we go back to that hyper individualism where it's like, we're deciding how we're going to do these things, but we're created beings by a creator and we're trying to self-define what the creator designed for us. We're, we're trying to redefine his creation and that's not a good place for us to be. But if we take that inventory at the beginning of the year, take a look at like, what did you intend and, and can I operate with self-discipline through what you've intended it to be? I now have the byproducts of success. I've, I now have the desires of my heart. I now, I now have the things that I, I would want to pursue because I think he would want those for us in the beginning, but he doesn't want us to have those in a distorted or perverted sense. He wants it in what they were intended to be for us. And so that's where I'd say, you know, really take a look at, you know, the beginning of the year, take a look at the desire, the true desires of our heart, but from a, as he put it, God, where are you leading me instead of a, you know, here, here are the top 10 things that I want to achieve in my life this year. Yeah. Yeah. You've, uh, I mean, that's, 
a great way to explain it. I mean, yeah, the inventory idea is, you know, you're, you're looking at everything in your life and you're saying, is this submitted to God? Yes. I know you, I want to stray away from the idea of, or at least want to take this moment away from the idea of all the accomplishment and the goals we meet and don't meet and because it can lead us if we're, if we're not submitting ourselves to God and each desire to God, we can start to replace and switch to things, God and the accomplishments. And all of a sudden we start to see God as the means of our accomplishment. And really God is the end game. And you could go as far as to say that if you failed at everything, for analogy's sakes, if you failed at everything and through all of that failure, your relationship with God grew and you love people well, of course, where this doesn't play out well is God usually involves loving people well as a part of his plan for you. But for the sake of breaking things down and dissecting, if you manage to fail at everything, and yet walk closer to Jesus and walk closer to God, then you have actually accomplished the thing he's most concerned about. That's probably a tough thing. It's a tough thing to even balance in your mind is that you could, because we live in a hyper charismatic, hyper faith movement, um, you know, stealing that word from the hyper individualism phrase in that, if you're serving God and you're walking in faith, you are also accomplishing these said things. And maybe you are. I mean, maybe, you know, God, it's not like God tells a lot of stories in the Bible of people not doing big things. Everything that the story tells is like, you know, Moses' part in the Red Sea. I mean, even Paul, you can try to go with Paul and be like, Paul stood before the emperor. He was in jail for two years writing letters. So he's doing things. So God tends to, accompany accomplishment but i wouldn't say he tends to i just say he does i think that's the character of god yeah except i, I need you i need you I need, I need you in more more definite terms yeah but i think this is where maybe the faith part comes in for you it's like i think you you're saying instead of god is always faithful i feel like you're saying god is mostly faithful no because i didn't use the word faithful I use the word accomplishment. God is not always faithful to accomplishment. You're not going to find not that. to accomplishment. No, but he's a, but he always is faithful. But he tends to accompany accomplishment, meaning he tends his accomplishment. Maybe not yours. What? As it would be like his account. Yeah. So the the accomplishment is the, again it's the byproduct. But oftentimes his accomplishment but, is not an accomplishment to our culture. So let's just go down okay. with, uh, Paul could have gotten out of jail. He could have gotten out of jail a lot. There's a lot of opportunities. I mean, he says it. I could leave here if I wanted to, but I don't. Because God's plan, go with me on this, American Christianity. God's plan is for me to be in jail. <laughs> Think about that. That's right. Paul's essentially. Now, that's the book of Matt here, but I'm taking what Paul's 
wrote down as he says, I'm not leaving until I stand before King Agrippa. This is what he says. I'll find chapter and verse here in a minute, but you can just Google King Agrippa and this is what's going to come up. So he says, I'm not leaving until I stand before King Agrippa. I'm standing before the emperor. And when he speaks to the emperor, he said, King Agrippa doesn't convert, but he says, Paul, you've almost converted me. Paul's end game in jail was to stay there long enough because he kept appealing. There was like, ah, we'll let you out. We'll let you out. So they put them in him for the wrong reasons. They do that to him and Peter earlier in the book. And, but he stays there and stays there so he can speak. He keeps appealing until he speaks to King Agrippa. Okay, Paul's in jail the whole time. That's not what we view as accomplishment. The only reason we even see it as, I mean, think about this. You're in this world as a Christian. You're a Philippian. You're a Corinthian. You're getting a letter knowing Paul could step out of jail and come see you. And he won't. That's not accomplishment. The only reason we think of it as accomplishment is because we read the Bible now. And God was using those opportunities for him to write letters to, while in, under house arrest, seemingly, what we think, he died there. He died in prison. He didn't get die accomplishing his goals. Now he did, because for him, he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But from an Americanized perspective, individualistic perspective, a goal achieving... God only tends to accompany accomplishment. So we tell stories about the Red Sea because it opened. But we don't tell stories about Paul getting out of jail. We, we don't tell, I mean, except for the one of Paul and Silas. Because that represents me having the successful business. That represents having six, seven figures in my bank account. You're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a goal I can get on. But that's a plan of God I can get on board with. But Paul, who said, I have learned to be abased and abound. And in both of those, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul says. That's, again, a solid faith in Christ to, to be in that situation where it's, it, it, it conflicts with where you think you should be, but still having faith in God that he can bless it, that, that that's where he wants you to be in, in alignment with him. Agreed. And if, and if you're in alignment with him, you're exactly where you right. need to be. I agree, but I, I think that's what gives weight to God tends to accompany accomplishment. Meaning, yeah, most of his stories, he's part in the Red Sea. But some of his stories, he's not part in the Red Sea. You're stuck in the sea. You're stuck in the middle of it. Some of your, his stories, you're just, he's using a different method and a different mode of winning than by and large humanity is used to. I mean, maybe other cultures were different back in the day. I don't know. I don't know enough about history. But it kind of seems like all of them just want to be rich and famous. Like all of them. Of course. So, yeah, yeah we all, we all want the abundant gospel. And Paul was neither. Paul was neither rich nor famous yet. I mean, I don't think he's ever rich. I think he died. I mean, okay. I'm sure he's doing fine. He's in house arrest. That's better than me in actual jail back then. <laughs> He's getting support from the Philippians. I believe it's the Philippians. I mean, we know that's happening, but he's asking for support too, so he obviously needs more. But he's in jail. Let's not forget. The dude dies under house arrest, but a lot of that time he's sitting in sewer. 
under the ground, writing letters by lamp, some kind of kerosene. I don't. Did they have kerosene back then? I don't know. Is it just candles? Like, that's not on my goal list this year. It's probably not on your goal list. Probably was not on Paul's yeah, my goal. Goals, list. My goal. My goal. On. Uh, I mean. If if I wrote a book of the Bible, like how awesome but would that be? But he didn't know he was writing a book of the Bible. No, he didn't know. He know he knows now. Like yeah, but so I, I think that's. But yeah. So, I, so is that success? I mean, it's not. You're not the CEO of the company, but uh, you got it published in the most important book in the. In I the mean, world. it is, but it's kind of like saying, okay, if you're someone, I mean, I can't even speak to this because I'm really not in this situation, but. If someone, they go out and they, they start a business, it fails. Start another business, it fails. They start another business, it fails. They start another business, it fails. I mean, we could use Abraham Lincoln's story, but the problem is, is he became president, and we like that. As long as you become president, if you failed at every election, then it's okay on the back end of the story. Well, and Thomas Edison, how many, how, many, how many times did he fail before he figured right, out Right, but the story is he invented the light bulb, and we're okay with that. We're it's not written. okay with History's written by the stories that aren't don't end well. We're not okay with that culturally. So Christianity wise, we don't like telling those stories either. But God's not concerned with those stories. He's really not concerned. He's concerned. He's concerned with yeah, that. Goes back to he's what, what he's, exactly. Yeah. So keep in mind there's a lot of people that are gonna say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. He's gonna say, I never knew you. The flip mm-hmm. side of that is, are there going to be people that say, Lord, Lord, we didn't do these things in your name? Probably not, because part of knowing him is doing these things in your name. So it gets hairy. It gets messy. I just, I just think that you can say the phrase, God tends to accompany accomplishment because it strikes in our hearts what it struck in you. It was like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. God only, oh, God is a, accom- no, he's not. There's nothing guaranteeing you success in the Bible. Zero promises. Yeah. I think I would still I would I would still push back and say it from it, it depends on the viewpoint because I I do I do think and that's kind of what I was trying to allude to with some of this stuff is again selfish desires maybe not as much but when you again are in alignment with God you're following Him we're not in a we're not in biblical times per se having to be in prisons writing to you know I I I don't think we're we're really there like in the United States, but I, there's other places where there's oppression. There's other places where there's uh, you know, persecution. There's, there's definitely those things that are going on and they might not have the, you know, American dream of, of Christianity where it's, it's, it's country club Christianity. It's like we go to a place and we have freedom to go do all these different things. They might not have that, but again, God wants their heart. God wants their heart, uh, their, their trust through that situation that, alignment with his what 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 his calling is for for you and walking in that direction that's what i mean i said it in the very beginning my path not your path i mean you're a level 10 warlock christian i'm just you know you know taking it a step at a time trying to trying to grow and and learn and 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 get to know the character of god get to know his heart and his voice so that when he does speak that i can follow and i can do those things uh and trust in him and have faith in those situations that he's going to guide me through because he's like I said, he's he. I know that he's been faithful in other situations, and I know that he's a God of continuance. He's not going to leave me high and dry in a situation. Now, he may use a situation that I don't deem as successful to teach me and mold me in that pliability that you talked about. And so that's where I really encourage anybody, you know, to to again look at that character of God. Talking a little bit, and I'm going to skip ahead a little bit 
to where he's talking about the hope for the church and just the image of God that he paints. The image of the God that he paints is the prodigal son father who is actively searching for his son to return, actively searching for even if you're in that situation where you've, you've gone down that selfish path, you've gone down that path of I want to accomplish these things and the narrative has been hyper-individualized focused as opposed to God-focused, man, he is still faithful and still good and still a bountiful in mercy and grace that he will welcome us back uh, with loving arms. And I think that's the kind of situation that it all really ties together, whether it's where he's talking about fatherhood and you know how he didn't have the hypocrisy of my dad lived one way at home, but he lived a different way in, in front of the congregation. There was congruency. It was, it was the same. And that's, that's what modeled uh, that Christian walk for, for Witt and his, his brothers and sisters. That's because his dad was in alignment with God's will. His dad was in alignment with the steps that he was taking with God, and Wit was able to see that, and it, it helped grow Wit's faith. It helped grow his family's faith, and it helped grow the the church's like people in the church. And so, the hope for the church is all tied to to that because even when we are in a situation where we've strayed far from it, again we can still know who God is, who His character is, and know that. It's never too late to come back to that alignment. It's never too late to turn, even if we've had success. Because I, th- I think one of the things he ended on was, you know, raise your hand if, if you ever, like, if your story of coming to God was when everything was going great. You know, there wasn't a hand that was raised. A lot of it was whenever we were in these situations where maybe it's a journey, maybe it's a, it's a tangent to the journey that God had, and we reached the end of ourselves, and we finally say, God, I can't do it anymore. This is, I've done everything I can do. And he's like, well, hey, guess what? My way is better than you. My plan is better than your plan. Come walk with me. Come join what I have for you. Operate in the path that I intended for you. And let's go into that flourishing. Let's go into that place where you're really walking out in fulfillment of the life that I desire for you. Because my desire for the life that, that you have is greater than the desire that you could even imagine. And I think that's where Again, we're, it feels like we're splitting hairs on some of these things, but I think that's where it all kind of ties, ties back together is looking at the entire situation, the character of God, who he is, from king and ruler and almighty and holy to full of mercy and full of grace and, and love and demonstrating love to do Like, there's so many faces of God in the Bible, and as you, as you pursue it more and more, they become more real to you because you're like, yeah, I understand why he has to be holy. I understand why he's calling me to a self-discipline and a higher standard, why he calls me to these things. And, and he's, even if he's asking me to do something I don't feel like I should have to do, he loved me before he loved me while I was still a sinner. He loved me at my worst point. He loved, like, I can, I can think of some pretty horrible people in my life and God still loves them. And I, and like, God, how do I see them through your eyes? How do I see, how do I see from your eyes on the cross when these guys are killing you? These guys are, they, they think they're doing what they're supposed to do. And, and he's like, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's just, it's mercy. It's compassion. It's empathy. It's all these things that I'm like, man, God, show me how to, how to do that. And then he's like, okay, well then, you know, you're going to have to forgive some people. You're going to have to love some people. You're going to have to, you're going to have to do some things that you don't want to do. It's like, okay, God, I trust you in that. And that's where, even in what Witt's talking about, you know, in reflecting at the beginning of the year is, all right, God, what are you calling me to? Are you calling me to empathy? Are you calling me to compassion? Are you calling me to love my neighbor? Are you calling me to these things? 
all right, I will step out in those things. Those are the things that I will pursue. And I believe because of, I, because of knowing who God is and who he's demonstrated him to be, other things are going to come into alignment that we would deem success. Other things will come into alignment that we deem are what we're trying to achieve in our life. And people will look at us and say, like, kind of what the Beatitudes that we're talking about now in church is blessed is that the man who, who does these things. And, and it's, it's a pronouncement of, wow, look at, look at the fruit of that. Wow, look at, look at the, uh, the life that that person leads, and it inspires others to be drawn to it. Yeah, that's good. Did I, I, did I weave it back together? I was trying to pull yeah, it back. Yeah, no, we got into what? So, yeah, I've been thinking about that as my well. I've been thinking about that as well while we're talking. How does this connect to brotherhood? It, it connects tremendously to what Pastor Witt said because it's the thoughts and feelings that that kind of message eviscerates. It's like it gets real deep in the weeds that you got to discuss. So, I think it does. I mean, I, I think. Pastor Witt, in that conversation, and hopefully if you're listening to this, you've already listened to that podcast, but he's he's taking you down the journey of the anti-hyper-individualistic society. That's what he's doing. I mean, he says it. He may comes out early in that conversation talking about it. And if you're not willing to embrace that and kind of let it sit with the scriptures that seem to back up God loves you and wants the best for you. And, you know, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to, have, to give you a future and a hope. Like if you don't counter those with God's plan is still his plan, even if it doesn't line up with what you think is a future and a hope, then you're going to get off. And that's where you're, you're hearing us. We're having to wrestle with that right in front of your face. That's the, I mean, we didn't plan this. If you're wondering, <laughs> we're we're at well, God's walking this journey. I think we're I think we're we're back at faith. With, or with we're back us, at faith. you know, with or without us. So, yeah, I mean, I it does. We didn't give the standard Evan point by point. Here's the breakdown of what he went. What do you think? But if you'll listen further, it's going to stir up some questions. God's going to ask you some questions, and I take that to the Bible. Take that to the Word of God, because that's where all this is pointed is your relationship with God. There we go. All right. Well, one of the questions that he did ask was, uh, where can I invest more deeply? And I guess that would be maybe like a key takeaway is, you know, as you're asking yourself, all right, like what, what did I get out of this, this, this breakfast? What was Witt trying to tell me? I think we, we hit on a couple of those things, maybe tried to expand upon a little bit, maybe challenge thinking a little bit as well too. But uh, ultimately, you know, where can I invest more deeply? Where is God calling me to step out? Uh, to a place that I can grow. And, and I think if we do that, man, you know, this, this can be a great year from a brotherhood perspective. It can be a great year uh, just across the board. So I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, real quick, we got February breakfast coming up. So we got Blake Brewer, and it, hopefully we can get this out quick enough to where if you have an opportunity to come to the breakfast, I would really strongly encourage you to do it in this one. There's a really cool story behind this, especially for fathers, or if you're going to be a father or at some point at some point have a situation where you have kids that are looking to you man there are some things that i think don't come naturally to men that are, are maybe counterintuitive to like the way we feel but i think there's there are situations where if we express certain things or we communicate certain things to our kids to that next generation whether they're mature enough or ready to hear it or not 
I think it's good to get that out there because I, I do think that there's this uh, innate desire for us to please our father. There's an innate desire for like, we're, we're constantly looking for that affirmation. And, uh, I think that Blake has a really cool tool that we can implement or at least challenge you to think about doing. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear his story, hear what that is, uh, and, and allow us to go a little bit deeper in it because sometimes, you know, it's, like we're going to talk we're going to talk about spiritual things we're going to talk about leadership we're going to talk about success we're going to talk about just the importance of brotherhood and having those guys around you but i think looking on the the spectrum of what it means to be a man what it means to be a leader what it means to be a father what it means to be a brother that there's some some nuance to that that man if we can really tune into that it just it's going to lead to that much more fulfillment so i'm really excited about it i know you know you got some kids too so i'm 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 sure this will be great for you as well and uh we'll be able to jump in and and learn together. So brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast.